0: Right, so the, um, a, question, a question this time of year comes up concerning the Christmas season. Um, many righteous non-Jews have an aversion uh, to Christmassy things and get-togethers and such, and rightfully so because of past associations from their former religious observances and what. And then there's not always clarity on whether a righteous non-Jew is permitted to join in with their family members at Christmas holiday events. But also, on the other hand, most righteous non-Jews are, are really connected with their family members. They want to be part of uh, because they love their families. We're dealing with people, yeah? So, the question here is is a good one. Can, can a righteous non-Jew uh, with a clear conscience uh, participate with family members in Christmas events like a dinner? Say, uh, grandmother calls everybody to the table. She says... We never get together. Everybody's off this time of year from work and so on and so forth. Let's all get together and have a family gathering around Christmas time. Um, that is permitted for a righteous non-Jew, um, especially, especially if it's known by the family members. And it's good to be upfront to tell the family members that, yes, we're happy to participate with you in a family gathering. But we just want you to understand that we're, we're, we really don't associate with Christmas at all. So any type of gift exchanges or what, whatever, uh, any type of uh, de- devotional uh, discussions or uh, religious context, it's, there's simple ways to let your family members know that you, without being crass, with, with all kindness, to just let them know that it's nothing to do with them, it's only that there's a disassociation with the religious context. So to go and uh, and to eat food with the family for a righteous non-Jew is not prohibited. It's not prohibited by the Torah to do such things. Uh, the the only prohibition that we would have uh, uh, in the in that realm for righteous non-Jews is you don't want to go to a religious facility and participate in re- uh in religious services. So. Um, you know, just say the family says, hey, we're having a big thing at our, you know, at a re- religious facility at our church or what have you. Uh, there's a play and what, and it's all about Jesus and Christmas and stuff. Um, that may not be the best thing to participate in. Uh, but let's just say the dinner or a family gathering or uh, even going out and driving around and looking at the, the seasonal lights that people put out is not pr- prohibited. Um, I know. I know a lot of families have a tradition uh, of just driving around and enjoying the lights. There's no. There's really not much of a religious connotation to that, if any. It's usually out of seasonal uh, fervor, you know, to to be festive. So uh, the rabbi said explicitly that's not a problem for for even our community that I'm part of, for uh, in the Jewish community, for us to go around and even look at the lights. So um i understand though uh i've been i've been corresponding with a family and half of the, the half of the family is uh like i don't want anything to do with that stuff i don't want to go to any dinners i don't want to go where they're exchanging gifts and then the other half of the family is like yeah i don't want to do that either but i love my family and they want us to be part of and uh you can look at it on more of a personal note. Everybody knows their family members and how they uh, perceive um, those of us that are righteous non-Jews. If it's going to be derogatory and it's going to be a negative context to go, I mean, common sense tells us it may not be the best idea. But if the family wants, wants us that are righteous non-Jews to be part of, Simply because they care about us and we're family members. There's no, there's no negative context to that. So I hope that helps. Um anytime there's any questions, you can contact us here at Nativ and we'll do our best to correspond with you, uh, to give you the answers as we find them through the rabbis, uh, through, th- through the writings of, uh, the sages and of course through the writings of the Torah. So, um Let's see another concept uh, concerning last week, uh, or um, excuse me, last class. Uh, we cu- did we t- we did we talk about the uh, we talked about the holy books and the non holy books being heirlooms and that's acceptable to, to keep as a family heirloom. Right. So if you have a family heirloom, basically, that's been passed down through your, you know, just uh, you say you, you, your family comes from a non-Jewish background and they have certain religious items that have been passed down for many generations. Uh, as a family heirloom, it's permitted to have those things as long as one doesn't venerate them and look at them as a, re- a religious object or an object of worship. Uh, as strictly as a family heirloom or, uh, a, something of sentimental value is, is permitted to keep. Um, and again, that's directly from the rabbi, uh, of our community. He, uh, he explained that to me. This is not, uh, this is not our personal opinion. In other words, you know, there's a basis of validity for it. So, uh, the last time we were here in, uh, the Rambav's Mishnah Torah, we left off in chapter 7, and um, Halakha number 4. And there was a little bit of controversy on what it, what it means, so I'll revisit it briefly and then we'll move forward. So it says, what is the difference between an idol belonging to an idolater, an idolatrous non-Jew, and, an, and one that belongs to a Jew? So this is a question here. What's the difference between... An effigy or a statue or an object um, that belongs to an idolatrous non-Jew versus uh, one that belongs to a Jew. So immediately this is going to bring the question, why would a Jew have an idol? Okay. Uh, Then it says, it is forbidden to benefit from an idol belonging to an idolatrous non-Jew immediately after it is fashioned as implied by Deuteronomy 7.25. Uh, which says, you shall burn the sculptures of their gods with fire. For example, they are considered gods as soon as they have been sculpted. So one major difference here is an idol or a sculpture that is in the possession of an idolatrous non-Jew, in other words, it belongs to him, it's immediately inflected that this object is used for idol worship. At the conception of it and the making of it, it's already dedicated to idolatry. Now, on the other hand, um, a Jewish person doesn't devote themselves to the worship of idols. It's in their nature to devote themselves to the worship of God. So, such an effigy or imagery or a statue or what that a Jew owns is not viewed as an idol until it has been served as an idol. Okay. So, what this is in context of is whether uh, it can be, uh, what do you say, if there can uh, benefit be derived from it. So, if this object belonged to an idolatrous non-Jew, it's automatically looked at as if it was made for the service of idolatry. So, it is forbidden to derive any benefit from it. On the other hand, if, if a Jewish person owns such an effigy because he is devoted to the worship of God and not idols, it is uh, this object does not uh, re- uh, attain the status of an idol until it has been worshipped. So until that object has been worshipped, it is, it is permitted for the Jewish person to derive benefit from it. Now, on the other hand, if... You have an idol that was made uh, and used by an idolatrous non-Jew. It is not permitted for a Jewish person to own that at all. So you can't pick up a, a Buddha from a restaurant as, as a gift or whatever and bring it home as decoration. Right for, a for, uh, for a Jew. Uh, yeah, a Jew uh, a, a Jew cannot purchase uh, cannot attain that from right. from an, from an idolatrous. Now the, we're specific here. We would say idolatrous non-Jew. Because we know, we know just by the nature of the behavior of idolatrous non-Jewish peoples that these objects are venerated for idolatrous purposes. Okay, um, I hope that helps to clear that up from last time a little bit. But um, okay, so again, it is not forbidden to benefit from a Jew's idol until he worships it. And when we say idol in this context, it's a statue or an effigy or a form of something. So it's not forbidden to benefit from a Jew's idol until he worships it, as implied by Deuteronomy 27.15. Cursed is the person who makes an idol and places it in a hidden place. For example, is not forbidden until he does private acts of worship on its behalf. Uh, because the Jew and the nature of, of himself uh, he's driven to worship the one true God. Uh, he was brought up this way. So uh, he would never take, it's, it's assumed that he would never take this object and publicly worship it. Okay, so it's talking about, uh, we know he's not going to worship publicly, but if he takes it and, uh, and brings it privately into a hidden place and worships it, now it becomes a forbidden object. Idolatry is something that uh, uh, I look at in many ways, not just a little object. So we make idols out of a lot of things. Yes. A lot of them is special sports. I think that's the highest form of idol- idolatry we have in the United States. So just because it's not a physical object, whether you're a Jew or somebody else, sure. Yes, uh, Yes, so the, the idea here is that uh, is being brought out that idolatry just doesn't pertain to uh, physical objects. It also pertains to, uh, to anything that one would uh, devote themselves to above the service of God. Uh, there, uh, this is all over Western culture and all over the world today. you know. Is it a direct form of idolatry? Not necessarily in this context. But yes, idolatry does also pertain to the one the the way a person views uh, different modes of lifestyle um the one of the obje- one of the things that was brought up was sports uh is the nature of sports necessarily idolatrous. We're going to say no. But is it possible to make uh sports uh fanaticism into a form of idolatry for a person? Yes. It is possible. There's nothing, uh, there's really not a lot wrong with the sport itself, necessarily. I mean, um, obviously there are certain, what do you call, radical, uh, extreme sports today that, that don't necessarily uh, read the ideology of godliness. But um, again, uh, it's not just that, but anything, we can take anything in society, uh, cult of personality, if you would, fashion trends, Uh, ideologies and so on and make a form of idolatry out of it. Uh, And it's good to remember that uh, those ideas are covered uh, in in these texts. Uh, Idolatry is not simply confined to the worship of a physical object. Okay. So the accessories of idol worship, whether belonging to a Jew or a Gentile or specifically this type of when it says Gentile is an idolatrous non-Jew, um, are not forbidden until they were actually used for the purpose of idol worship. So, uh, accessories, anybody have any thoughts on what an accessory of idol worship would be? A piece of jewelry? A piece of jewelry? Certain types of incense, Holy yes. Water. Water. Yeah, venerated, like water that's set aside for? Certain, certain stones and necklaces, uh prayer of these, uh, I don't know what the Muslims call theirs, but the Christians always uh, Catholics have a rosary. A, ro- a rosary set? You can have a rosary set that came from your great-grandmother. Would You throw it out. That's a perfect example of a family heirloom, if you would. Uh, it would be like a, a rosary that came from a hundred years ago in your family. It's passed down simply as an heirloom. Of course, you're not going to, you know, a righteous non Jew is not going to use that as an object of, of service to God. But that, is one, that would be one accessory, a type of accessories, a type of prayer beads. Um, so the idea here is if it hasn't been used, uh, for idolatry, it's not forbidden to, to possess it. Let's look at it again. The accessories of idol worship, whether belonging to a Jew or to a Gentile, are not forbidden until they were actually used for the purpose of idol worship. That would make it, uh, possible, uh if you a that was used hundred years ago it was not one. but at the same time th- this is not concrete okay. here. if it's a family heirloom it's permitted to, to own it as a family heirloom of sentimental value and that's the reason why you keep it that's, that's it of now of course if it uh, if, if you find it abhorring <laughs> then, to own, then just don't keep it uh, you, you know right and and <laughs> It gets the, the, the next, uh, one of the coming up, Halakot, deals with this uh, in an interesting way that, that in, in, a, in a roundabout way applies to the, to the non-Jew, uh, the righteous non-Jew to a degree. It, uh, we'll get to that uh, relatively soon here. This one here, number five, Halakha five, it says, A person makes an idol for another person, although he receives lashes, his wage is permitted. This applies even when he made the idol for uh, for an idolatrous non-Jew, and it is therefore forbidden immediately. Okay, so when a person makes an idol for another person, so he's been, um, someone has been uh, commissioned to, to build an object or to craft an object um, for another person. Uh, that's an idol. This is specifically in something that's going to be used for idolatry. Uh, it says although he receives lashes, his wage is permitted. Okay, so he gets he gets uh, the punishment is, uh, if he's found by the, the High Court uh, uh, that he crafted an idol for someone else for a wage, the punishment is lashes. And of course the court uh, the, the court determines the amount of lashes. It's not a set number. Up to 40. So they never go past 39. Um, so even though he receives lashes as a punishment, the wage that the person paid him is permitted. And the, the question here is why would he get the money? Okay. Um, so. I uh, usually when you when someone commissions another person to build such an item they they pay ahead so the the object doesn't doesn't become the status of an idol until until it completely becomes an idol so it's like the last hammer blow it's like a shoemaker will say okay this, here's the last clock on the table it's ready the last clock. So the, the last hammer blow, if you would, uh, more or less, point, uh, here it is. A final hammer stroke uh, is when the, the, the project is con- uh, considered complete. And it's not worth a penny. So it says, a person makes an idol for another person, although he receives lashes, his wage is permitted, even when he made the idol for an idolatrous non-Jew, and it is therefore forbidden immediately. What is the rationale for the latter decision? Uh, the idol is not forbidden until it is com- completed, and the hammer stroke which completes it is not worth a penny. It's all the work that went into it before it was completed as an idol is, is where the va- the the cost comes in the craft. Uh, the following rules apply when a person buys scrap metal from a gen- from an idolatrous non-Jew and finds idols within it. If he has already paid the money but has not taken possession of it, he should return it to the idolatrous non-Jew, the money. The same... Because he would be purchasing a a, a religious object that has been venerated by an idol. Yes, so he's buying scrap metal, okay, and... That would be deriving some benefit from from, from owning an idol. So this is what it's saying. If he does, if he gets over there and he sees that the, there's idols in the scrap, say, say the guy calls you up and says, hey, I got this pile of scrap metal, and you're a scrap metal dealer. Uh, so you go over there to pick it up. Uh, he already paid you through PayPal, whatever, uh, direct deposit, whatever. <laughs> so you go over there, you see the scrap metal pile, and you see these idols inside of it. Uh, you know they're idols. Um you already received the money. What you should do is give the money back and, and not take possession of it. Okay. Uh, the same rules apply if he took possession of it but did not pay the money. So in other words, it's the on the opposite hand. He calls you up and, he, and you say, yeah, I'll take possession of it. I, um, I'm coming to get it. Uh, I'll pay you when I get there. You get there, even though you verbally took possession of the stuff, or, or you had your man already go pick it up and you hadn't paid for it yet and he, your man picked it up, your employee, he gets it back to the shop, whatever. You look in there and you see the idols, you have possession of it, it's like, oh no. So, you don't pay the money, it says. Though taking possession represents a formal transfer of ownership in dealings with uh, an idolatrous non-Jew, the transaction was made in error. Because if you would have known the idols were in there, you, you wouldn't have made the transaction. If he paid the money and took possession of the scrap, he must take the idols to the Dead Sea. Interesting concept, yeah? So the sages teach us that whenever uh, something goes into the Dead Sea, it's not usable anymore. That's the idea. So uh, do we literally need to take this stuff to the Dead Sea? No, but we have to treat it in a way that it can't be used again. We have to make sure it's disposed of in a way that it cannot be used. Similarly, when a, uh, when an idolatrous non-Jew, this is the one, this is the halakha I'm talking about that relates somewhat. Similarly, when a, uh, an idolatrous non-Jew and a convert, a ger, a uh, a ger tzedek, uh, which is a a righteous convert, a person who grew up in a, in a non-Jewish way and then became Jewish. So he has a brother that is still an idolatrous non-Jew. Um, their father passed away, so the estate of their father, who was also an idolatrous non-Jew, the, cur- the convert may tell the his brother, take the idols and I will take the money. Um, also, take the forbidden wine, which is the wine that would be used for libation towards these idols, and I will take the produce like the apricots and the plums and the peaches and what. Uh, once idols come into the possession of the convert, however, they are forbidden because the convert is a jew now uh, it's forbidden for a Jewish person to take possession of objects that are known as idols that have been used for idolatry so uh, this can this is an interesting concept you know uh, i'm it's very poignant here that the the Rambam brings this out um, because I mean this happens you have you have a righteous convert and you have the rest of the family and the father and all they're still they're still family in a certain way so the father passes away of course uh, even the person that converted uh, the father wanted him to have inheritance so he can't take possession of the idols if he did they would have to be destroyed and he couldn't derive any benefit from them to get hands today. That's a good question. So uh, what... I don't know why I can go buy an idol. I do like where would you get an idol and say, okay, I've got this idol I've got in my kitchen, living room, I'm worshiping this thing, and I want to give it to you as a Jew. In American culture, uh, in traditional American culture, you're not going to see that so much. So the question is, is what, what would be considered uh, an idol that would be passed down through yeah a a statue yeah they put them in their yard they their right and the strict Catholic, in the strict sense of catholicism uh you know there's statues and uh effigies and uh and such that are directly prayed to um according to the torah this is not permitted uh for a person to pray to a statue there's only one god okay um so of course uh you, you know the we see this in the South a lot, I don't know about anywhere else, but the grottoes out in people's yards, you know, uh, that's part of an estate. So for a, con- a, a, a convert to Judaism that came from that family, it's not permitted for him to take ownership of that, uh, that grotto that's out in the yard. That, that should go to the other family members. Uh, another concept would be, say you have um, an Asian family, that uh, traditionally would uh would uh follow uh buddhism uh or, or yeah or, or um, the hinduism if you would Uh there's certain effigies and statues and things of that nature that uh that would be venerated uh, through idolatry that would be passed on as family um, something valuable to the family in an estate if one of those family members was to become a con- convert to Judaism, it would be forbidden for them to take possession of those items in today's world. Now, in the ancient world, uh, we have to remember, it's easy to forget this, <laughs> but in the ancient world, we have to remember that Judaism was the only, the only monotheistic belief system in the world. So everyone else except the Jewish people in ancient times had idols of some form. Everyone. Um, they just goes down, like up in the States. You see, you picture the stage where they got statues of this and that. And, uh, where you even see uh, animals. You know, a big Connery's got all these animals and say, all oh, this, you know, he idolizes those animals. Right. Like a big Kobe deer head or something. <laughs> you say, know, you this deer head? Okay. I put it in your den. Well, you probably couldn't take it because it's been worshipped. This thing gets real sticky right? yeah um, this is exactly why we're studying the laws on this versus um, it could, because uh, the lines are easily crossed through opinion on what is idolatry and what's not so it's imperative. this is why this class is important for all of us to understand what the Torah explains is idolatry and what is not. For example, it can appear uh, it can appear to someone, that to own a a trophy is a could be a form of idolatry but the trophy itself even if it's an animal skin from a, a, a taxidermy it's not considered an idol no because it's not something that's specifically designated for idol worship the object itself now if the person that owns it views it in an incorrect way that's that can be a problem but the object itself is not known Uh, in the context of, as an object used for the worship of false deities. It's simply a taxidermy. So, yes, it is, it can be a very sticky situation. That's why, again, it's important for us to understand what the Torah and the sages have to say concerning what is considered idolatry. Um, We're going to close off today in the text I'd like to say thank you for participating online. It's a pleasure to have everyone here, and we're going to move on to to further discussion.